How is everybody? Good. Good? Very good. Very good. We limit the chairs, y'all still sit in the back. I don't know, like, I don't know, like, we're gonna, I'm gonna preach from the middle of the room. We can move on. No, no, you're good. You're good. I can see you. I do. I feel much better. Uh, so let, uh, let's pray, and then uh, we'll dive in and talk about a lot of scripture. God, thank you for this day. Thank you for everybody here. Um, God, I thank you for my church family. Um, it, uh, it was awesome being, being outside and, and hearing everybody sing and uh, hearing a group of people praise your name. Um, and God, you are good. I pray that we wouldn't just sing that, but that we would know it and we would internalize it and we would, we would live that way. Uh, be with us as we open your word. I pray that, uh, that you move in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so um, we are going to be covering Genesis chapter 4 through chapter 11. Um, so there are a couple of options. Either one, we could read it and then be done. Uh, or, like, we can talk about it, and so we're going we're gonna to talk about it. We'll do that one. Um, but, um, fortunately for you, like, I don't have to, uh, to condense it. Uh, it's been done for us. So if you'll turn to Hebrews chapter 11, and uh, we will start in verse 4. So Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gifts, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up, so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith it is impossible to please God, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Amen. Amen. So... As we look at this, um, and we, we talk about this section of, of Scripture, and we, we laid it out this way, and we thought, well, should we, should we break it up more? Should we, should we teach these stories more individually? But as we look at it this way, it really shows kind of a fuller picture of what's happening when we get to Noah. Because a lot of times that story is taught like in and of itself, kind of in a vacuum. Um, a lot of like a lot of nursery themed decorations are Noah and the Ark, and and it, it kind of exists out there in a lot of our minds as being this this kind of one off event that happened at some point. But when if we look at it in the context of of what's going on, I think it makes a lot more sense. Um, but we can't get there yet because we got to start. Uh, at the garden where Adam and Eve have, have just been kicked out uh, where we left off last week and, and Tim did a great job of walking us through how, what sin is and, and all sin at its core is idolatry 
and plain and simple, like it's it's putting something else before God, and that's that's it, like pure and simple. And, and we see the results of sin with Cain and Abel. And if you don't know the story, um, Cain and Abel are are Adam and Eve's sons, and uh, Cain uh, offers a sacrifice of of the fruits that he grew and Abel comes to God in faith and offers a sacrifice of a, of a lamb because he like he tended to flocks and God honored Abel and accepted his sacrifice because he came to God in faith and, and came to God in the way that God had laid out and God rejected Abel's sacrifice because he didn't come to God in faith he came to God in his own way and we think of that and we're like, well, that, like, that's simple. You, like you're supposed to offer a lamb. God set the precedent when he killed a lamb to clothe them. And so, you know, forgiveness comes by the shedding of blood. So like you sh- he should have just offered a lamb. But, but we do this all the time. We see this all over the place now. People trying to come to God on their own terms in their own way. And really, if you're doing that, you're just worshiping yourself. Because that's what the root of all of that is. If I say, if I can do enough of this, if I can be this good, if I can give this much, if I can, if I can go this long, if I can be this, this person, no matter how it is, if I can say this many prayers, or if I, can, if I can just be just right, then God will accept me and I'll get into heaven and things will be fine and my sins will be forgiven. But in reality, if I'm the one doing that, I'm just worshiping me. Because that's my ability. That's what I'm doing. It's what I have to put forward. It's the effort that I have to give. And, and that's just me that I'm worshiping. And that's where we find Cain. And Cain has put himself in front of God. And he is worshiping himself. And God doesn't accept his gift. And we see that he gets offended. And he kills his brother. Now look at how quickly sin has progressed. From Adam and Eve eating from the fruit that they shouldn't to their kids, their son killed his brother. That's what sin does. That's how hard it takes hold. And your sin doesn't just affect you. Because Adam and Eve sinned, sin entered the world, and therefore their children were born with a sin nature. And Cain felt, fell victim to the same thing, the same idolatry idolatry the same I'm going to put myself above God and winds up murdering his brother and we see Abel this this person who was also born with a sin nature who was also flawed but who God accepted his sacrifice because he came in faith and Hebrews tells us though he is dead he still speaks his faith still speaks to us even, even though he died. And if you really like play that out, he's the first person to die. Adam and Eve are still alive. They go on to have their son Seth. So he's the first person to die. And he dies with faith in God and he still speaks to us. Amen. His faith is still in existence. It's still there because it was founded in God. And so we see sin start to take over the world and we see this we see this downward spiral. And along the way, like there's, there's a cool story that I won't leave out, and they, they didn't leave it out in Hebrews. It's the story of Enoch. 
and Enoch walked with God. And we don't know, like, we don't know a ton about Enoch, but we know that there were two people in the Bible who God took to heaven. One was the prophet Elijah, who there's a ton written about what he did and, and what a great man of God he was. And the other one was Enoch. And what we know about Enoch, he walked with God. He was a man that lived by faith. And God commended him for living by that faith and took him to heaven. And I don't think, I don't think that, it, that it is a coincidence that we have those two, those two juxtapositions of one guy who did all these famous things for God and has all these, like, is touted for all of these things and he was a faithful man of God and Elijah and a man who just lived his life. And he just walked with God daily and was so pleasing to God and so close to God that God didn't want him to die. He just took him to heaven. I think a lot of times we think that, that there are certain people who do great things for God. And those are the ones that are pleasing to God. Those people in, in places that reach people or they, like, they, they're very talented or they have a wide scope or a large following. And those are the people that really please God. And the rest of us are just kind of here. But that's not the case. Enoch was a man who was just faithful to walk with God. He was just faithful to follow that calling each day and just walk with God, and God took him to heaven. And Enoch's son was Methuselah. Now, you might remember that Methuselah was the oldest man to ever live. He lived to be 969 years. And a lot of, like, some of us know, like, the name Methuselah and really old, and we kind of get that, like, he lived the longest. But uh, what you might not know is that uh, it was said, uh, his name means after this, the judgment. And so as a testament to God's grace, the man who is named after this, the judgment, lives the longest of any man, giving mankind this long period of time, the longest period of time to come back. And then when Methuselah dies, the flood happens. And then after, like, after the flood, Noah, like, Noah survives the flood and people come up again and it doesn't take long for sin to wrap us back up again and we end up at the Tower of Babel where people are like, well, we're going to build something tall enough where we can get to God. We're going to do something in our power to get to God. Sound familiar? And so God confused their language and, and they scattered. And where I really want us to camp out tonight is, is with Noah. And I want us to consider the story of Noah and, and one, the faith that it took to live out that life, the faith that it took to follow that calling when God tells you, hey, this thing that you've never heard of before that you don't know what is is coming and it's, it's going to happen and this is, this is how you get saved from it. And... Uh, Noah is this man of God, and God comes to him and is like, I want you to build an ark. Now, an ark, uh, you know, we see it depicted as this boat with a hole and all this stuff, but that wasn't what it was. It was a box. And God gave him dimensions, and uh, the dimensions that God gave him to build it are, uh, it was six to one, a six to one ratio because it would stabilize it in the water. And just an interesting thing, like, 
Noah didn't know anything about boats, like he didn't know what he was doing, but if you go to boat builders today, they use a six to one to eight to one ratio for stability. We serve a sovereign God who knows what he's doing. Amen. And he gives Noah these specific instructions and he's like, build an ark. Uh, the other interesting thing about the word ark, it's only used here in one other place, and it's the box that Moses' mother put Moses in when she put him in the night. And God uses, God uses an ark to save Noah and his family, and he uses the same thing to save Moses, this serendipitous like thing of God coming around, the faithfulness of God. And Moses follows. And think about, like, if you really think about, like, what that had to be like. Hey, Moses, I need you to build an ark because it's going to rain. It hadn't rained. That, like, that needs some explanation. Like, in my book, like, that needs some explanation. I'm like, what do you mean it's going to rain? And it takes no 120 years to build the ark. Have you done stuff for a little while that people are like, <laughs> like, really? Like, and you're going to keep doing this, let alone hold on to it for 120 years? You're going to walk that out and you're going to say, and you're telling everyone around you, you need to turn to God. You need to turn to God. You need to turn to God. This flood is coming and no one's listening. But Noah's faithful. He follows that call to action and he builds an ark. And he builds a door on the ark too big for him to close. That's another problem. Like in my book, I'm like, how like how does this work? Like this this box is gonna fill up with water and then I'm just gonna be in the water box. <laughs> like, I mean like if if it's me, like I'm raising my hand going, I don't I don't get it. But when the time comes, God tells Noah and he gets all the animals onto the ark. And God closes the door to the ark. And the thing that I really want us to see and come to in this and this narrative and the way it plays out is when we look at when we look at that story, like we either do one of two things. We we novelize it in this kid's version, like it's a nursery, it's a nursery rhyme, and we don't really see what's happening that the whole world died. Everyone except Noah and his, and his sons and their wives died. This was a massive tragedy. Like this, this was a violent scene. This was God's judgment being poured out. And so we either see it as this novelized way or, or we do see it as like God's judgment being poured out. I, I was talking to somebody uh, at my work the other day and, um, and they said, like, they were talking about another person who had said something flippant about the Bible. And they said, oh, I wouldn't say that about the Bible. You know, like, God killed everybody that one time except for Noah. And, like, it, it was this offhand comment from, from somebody who doesn't profess to be a believer, but that, like, it can be seen that way, right? As God just got really upset because people were so sinful... And he just decided to wipe everybody out except Noah and like we're just going to push the reset button and start again. But that's not what was happening. Mankind had gotten to the point where it had fallen so far away that God said, I have to take drastic, drastic action to save them. And this was step one in God's redemptive story. If we look at it as this one-off 
thing that just kind of floats out there. We're not really sure where it lands in Scripture. It looks at, it looks out of context. But when you see that sin had entered the world and man had spiraled so far down that, they, that we were on the verge of extinction, and God said, I have a plan to save mankind. And it's Noah, and it's an ark. And so after it, God makes a covenant with Noah. And if you want to, turn to Genesis chapter 9. And we're going to be in verses 9 through 17. And it says this, Behold, I establish a covenant with you and your offspring after you, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds and the livestock, every beast of the earth, uh, with you, as many as came on the ark, It is for every beast of the earth. I establish my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off by waters of the flood, and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, This is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I have set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh, and the waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it, and I will remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on earth. God said to Noah, This is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. So God is saying... I'm going to step into this space. This earth that's become so corrupt, this sin that has been allowed to go so long, I'm going to step in and I'm going to fix it. I'm making a covenant with you that I'm going to fulfill. And that covenant and that faith is the same thing that we believe in today. That God is the same God that walked back then, that that accepted Abel's offering that walked with Enoch and that called Noah to do a great thing. That's the God. That's the God who cares about us. That's the God that we sing about. That's the God that we worship. And that's the God that's calling us today. He's calling us to walk in that same faith. He's calling us to realize that without faith it's impossible to please Him. And those who would believe in Him must believe that He exists. That's where we are. That's where we find ourselves in this space where a misguided look at tragedy misunderstands this this story as God just getting angry. But the reality is this is God's first step to bringing us back. And that's that's why we study Genesis. That's why we're looking at the Bible in this way is so that we understand that these people of faith, it's the same faith that they had that saved them that we have now. It isn't this this constant looking at like, well, we had to push the reset button with Noah, and then we had to push the reset button with Moses, and then we had to push the reset button with David, and then with Jesus. Like, It's not this constant over and over again. It's this constant progression. And this constant moving forward of God bringing us closer and closer and closer to Him. And I don't know where you are in your life with your faith. And I don't know if 
if this is just something that, that you've done, but something that we talked about on the men's retreat is that church is a terrible hobby. This is not like this is not a a good thing for you to do if you're not bought in. Because we're going to ask you to come, and we're going to ask, and we're going to switch the times, and we're going to ask you to come then, and, and we're going to ask you to to meet in different rooms, and we're going to ask you to buy sweatshirts, and we're going to ask you to give your money, and we're going to ask you to volunteer in kids, and we're going to ask you to give your time, and and then when you're done with it, we're going to ask you to do it again. It's a horrible hobby. This is a bad club to be a part of. But if God is God, then serve Him. And if He's the most important thing in your life, then this is the most like, this is a place you have to be. This is where you're called to. These, like, these are the people that you live with. These are the people that you fight with. It's that kind of faith that Cain had, that Enoch had, that Noah had. That said, I'm not putting anything else in front of God. Whatever God calls me to, that's what I'm going to run to. That's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to be about. It's that kind of faith that we see this story because it's that kind of God that has this redemption going on. And we don't have to do it in our own power. We just have to do what He calls us to and then have faith in Him for the next thing to happen. Noah just builds the ark and has faith that God's going to bring the animals, has faith that God's going to close the door, has faith that the ark is going to ride out this storm. And God answers that faithfulness time and time and time again. Because He's good. We just sang about it. He's a good God, worth having faith in. And this isn't a hobby. This is a calling. This is our life. And it's, it's an awesome thing to be a part of. Let's pray, and then Eric's going to come, and uh, we'll get into our week. God, uh, thank you for being faithful to us. God, thank you for creating a way for us to come to you. Thank you for your forgiveness and for saving us. God, I pray that that we would put you in your place, which is first. And that any idol that would creep in, we would just destroy. That we would run after you, that we would follow our calling, and that we would live lives sold out for you. In your name I pray. Amen.